Guru Nation, welcome to episode 454 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, it's actually our monthly webinar on business development during a, a post-COVID world, now that we're in October 2020, soon to be November. Okay, we're hopefully out of this soon, and looks like uh, the winter is going to be uh, a bit of a challenge for, for the rest of the world, including the United States, but uh, we'll make it through. We'll get out of this but a lot of people are wondering okay well what is business development going to look like right now how do we get more studies for my site how do we get those job leads right now and it's never been a better time to be in clinical research despite this pandemic uh, there's just a huge supply of studies partially because of COVID. There's a lot more studies because of COVID. So this is what we discuss on this webinar, all the strategies you can be using, all the blocking and tackling you could be doing, basically the fundamentals of business development for you to succeed. Check out in the show notes, we got links to the Patreon channel, only five bucks a month. You get to be part of a mastermind community. Once a month we meet on a Zoom call, we discuss our business objectives and how we go about solving them. We also have, I post, a weekly video on how to improve your uh, business opportunities and career opportunities using clinicaltrials.gov. Finally, in the show notes, CRA, CRC Academies, links to both of those are in the show notes. Now enrolling for both of them. If you need more studies, text me 949-415-6256. With all that being said, enjoy the show. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, so welcome to the October webinar for the Clinical uh, Trial Guru BSTS uh, collaboration webinar. Uh, this is going to be about business development in the rest of 2020 and going on in 2021. And this is BizDev for sites, of course, research sites, but also could apply to job seekers too. And We've, uh, I just posted something on uh, Instagram and I'm soon going to post it on LinkedIn where I'm talking about 2020 and how it's a great year to get started in research. The industry is absolutely booming. Um, I just interviewed Craig Lipset, former director of innovations at Pfizer. He's really one of the premier thought leaders in the industry. He's extremely bullish on the next decade. So this stuff is practical, guys. It's not just, you know, a good topic. But it's 2020. There's three months left. Actually, two months left now. Um, but we're not going to experience the typical holiday slowdown because most people are already working from home, right? And many people are not going to be traveling this year for the holidays. So... There's a lot uh, of opportunities here for those willing to put in the work. And how's it going, Chris? It's going very well, Dan. Thanks for asking. That was a long, lengthy intro to introduce you. <laughs> well, I don't think any of that had to do with me in terms of introduction, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, so you're on now. So what do you think about this? I mean, you tell clients all the time. You know, we talk to clients literally every day almost. What do you have to say about this? So I certainly would agree with, I mean, this is just a prediction. Nobody knows for sure, but uh, I agree with that things will be busier than normal for the upcoming holiday season as 
things were essentially shut down for many months. So there's a lot of work to be made up for. Um, and again, like you had said, people are now used to working at home, so they can continue doing so. Um, I mean, that kind of is your break for the holiday season if you're in the industry, right? You go home and work. You don't have to come to the office. Just go home and work. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so, with that being said, that's just some context for the background of this uh, presentation. We can move on to the second slide. Okay. And that's BizDev for the site. So, BizDev is important for obtaining new study leads and revenue sources for your site. Um, if you're a site, you should be on clinicaltrials.gov right now. You should be networking with other sites. You should be doing anything that you can be doing to get your name out there and to get your uh, PIs, if you have multiple PIs, more study opportunities. Because the study opportunities are out there. Uh, Chris, we work with clients on a daily basis to get them studies. What have you been seeing as far as right now in the marketplace? Like what kind of studies? Obviously, there's a lot of COVID studies, but what other kind of studies are we seeing? Sure, there's a lot of pulmonology as well. Uh, it's just not it's just not COVID, though. Oftentimes, it's related to COVID. Um, but there's a lot of asthma, a lot of COPD. I would say it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with COVID, um, but we're seeing a lot of those studies. Um, seeing a lot of GI studies and a fair uptick in um, CNS, uh, particularly psychiatric. Um, so I've seen some migraine studies as well, things of that nature, you Alzheimer's studies. So. I would say those areas are probably the busiest right now, uh, and, but certainly COVID. I mean, 35% probably of the studies are COVID that I'm seeing. Right. Uh, okay, so lots of opportunities right now. Business development can be direct through sales or indirect through branding. you got to understand the difference between sales and branding. If you don't, you've got to check out my Patreon channel patreon.com slash dancefair. We talk about this every single week. Um, and every site needs a biz dev plan. And your biz dev plan can be as simple as somebody's going to scour clinicaltrials.gov for one hour every week and contact whoever they can on clinicaltrials.gov about potential studies they're interested in. Uh, biz dev plan could be, let's talk to the medical liaison and get your uh, site some more opportunities that way. And if you're a job seeker, we're going to get the strategies for you guys as well towards the end, but it's the same thing. I mean, you need a biz dev plan as well. All this stuff uh, can be, all the stuff that we talk about with the site can also be applied to the individual job seekers. So have a plan in place. And the next slide, slide three, Hey, before we, before we go on to that, I would just like to drop a little something here real quick in terms of studies. Um, Dan and I are directly responsible for, for a cutaneous lupus study finding sites, um, but particular sites. Um, you have to have access to African-American population. So if that's something you have, 
uh, you have a number of patients that were uh, African American that would qualify for cutaneous lupus studies. Or I mean, there's no inclusion exclusion that I'm offering, but they have that that disease. Um, let Dan know. Yeah. You don't have to be a client or anything. Just let us know. Reach out if you see minorities. If you have a minority patient database, um, or any minorities in your database, reach out. Absolutely right, Griff. Um, okay, so what? anything else to add on this slide? Business development strategies? Uh, I already moved on to the next slide. Oh, okay. Uh, so let's see here. The next slide, do you want to take this one? Sure. So business development strategies, the two... Uh, two of the most important ways for insights to engage in business development is to network or go through clinicaltrials.gov. And you essentially had already discussed this. Um, I don't really have anything to add to that. Uh, established sites can also benefit from using clinicaltrials.gov to find new studies. So most rely on other tactics. So, and again, you'd already discussed these things, but um, if you go on clinicaltrials.gov, uh, Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes there's a contact there for any study you might be interested in. Um, and you want to look uh, not yet recruiting and recruiting um, studies. Um, look for the type of study that you would like. And then hopefully there's a contact there if you find a study that you would like. And just let that individual know that you feel you could be of great use to the study, um, essentially by telling them you have a large patient population for the study. Um, and the PI is definitely interested. And then, as Dan had said before, network, networking with colleagues, uh, other sites, it's always a good way to try and bring on new study opportunities for your site. That is extremely powerful. We have people in our own networks uh, whose sole role is to network with other sites. So we have, we have people in our DSCS organization whose role is to go on clinicaltrials.gov, and use uh, other tools such as uh, ZymeWire that you can build on top of it. Uh, then we have others who are just in charge of networking with other sites. And then we have people like you and I who are in charge of networking with the sponsors. So you really want to, there's not, there's never gonna be too much networking, right? It's, it's never enough, no matter how established you are to network because there's tons of studies out there and uh, it's really important, even if you're a job seeker, you do the same thing. Treat it like a business. Treat your own career like a business. Uh, the next slide, slide four, business development strategies for established sites. So established sites have an advantage over newer sites because they have the option to reach out to some of their previous sponsors. Okay, this is a huge advantage. What The hardest thing in research is to get started get your first study. Once you have your first study, as long as you do a decent job of enrolling, okay, you're going to be getting more study offers coming uh, out. I, I would add a caveat to that. So don't make any huge errors. Even if you're enrolling well, I don't, you know, if you're new to research and you make some huge errors, uh, I don't know if they'll come back to you. Right, yeah, of course. You can't make uh, like huge errors. Like you can't have deviations uh, or uh, I guess significant deviations. You know, small deviations are okay, like out of window, 
<clears throat> subject the out of window for a visit, but big deviations where you're just completely ignoring the patient safety, uh, you do not oh, want to do that. So we're ignoring proper etiquette. And what I mean by that is we had a client uh, was getting a lot of studies. Um, and then they, they let a sponsor know that everybody gets a site shared, everybody else's login information to all vendors, EDC, IVRS, everything. I don't think they got another study from anybody after that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's not just etiquette. That's a... 21 CFR Part 11 right, violation. Right. Uh, yeah, that's serious. And I know the client, and it's unfortunate because they were getting lots of studies too. Yep. Um, but don't do things. Don't make that error. Yeah, don't make that error or similar errors. <laughs> yeah. So basically, once you're established site, you know, take advantage. Reach out to your sphere of influence. Who are some of the previous sponsors? This is why I recommend everybody get on LinkedIn because maybe you had a CRA from a previous study, and now that CRA works at another company. Well, maybe they have new studies they can give you, right? So this is why LinkedIn is important. Networking on LinkedIn is super important. Also, sites can reach out to sponsors and CROs from other studies in which they performed well. Doing so increases their chances of getting new studies. So yeah, take it to LinkedIn, okay? Take it to LinkedIn. If you're a CRA and you're if you are the site owner or the coordinator in charge of is that for your site or you're the PI or whatever it is, get yourself a LinkedIn profile. Every CRA that comes into your site, connect with them on LinkedIn because CRAs do turn over. They end up going to other companies. And you may only have their cell phone and their email address from their previous company, so you may not be able to even get a hold of them if they move. So, but with LinkedIn, it's their profile. So you have it. You're always connected. Mm -hmm. uh, next slide, slide five. You want to take this one? Business development strategies for established sites. Sites can also talk to medical liaisons or drug representatives during ongoing study for future study leads. Absolutely. Um, and you may even start with a drug rep. Um, to get that medical liaison's contact, or potentially even the drug rep knows somebody within the industry, within their organization that is responsible for placing studies at site. So just start having a conversation with everybody you can, essentially. But uh, medical liaisons be a good up studies. Sites can also leverage their PI's reputation to obtain study leads. Um, yeah, and that kind of falls back to the previous bullet point. Um, and not saying as such, but kind of hinting at, you know, the PI will, will uh, prescribe your medication a whole lot more if uh, you help them get a study within your, your network or your organization. Um, I mean, you don't say that, but yeah, I mean, that's implied. Uh, established sites get offered studies because the sponsor of CRO is familiar with the PICB. Yep. So sorry, I, I heard you wanting to speak up. Go, let's go for it. No, yeah, I was just saying that's exactly right. I mean, um, the the reputation of your PI, you know, you can really leverage that into future opportunities, and and really get those liaisons and those sales reps on board to help you to become your allies in the process. And uh, once you're a PI that does a good, decent job on a study, all the sponsors share that information. You know, we've 
We talk about it all the time. We have a client, a new client, maybe it's a new doctor. They do their first study well, and now all of a sudden they're getting all these other studies coming their way. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the reports as well. Yeah, so the Transcelerate initiative where the sponsors are sharing data on site seems to be working. Yes, it does. Then we have a question. Do you have an account on drug dev? Yes, you should have an account on drug dev. Yeah, for every PI. Yep. All right, next slide. Yeah, slide six. Where's it not so going? So you can use services like ours. Okay, this is we help sites generate study leads. Every single day, you'll get a list of leads that we've discovered and reached out to you on your behalf once a week. And it's your job, it's the client's job to actually follow up with those leads. But we make the initial introduction. And I like our service because this is a service that I would have bought when I started in research. And actually, even when I was continuing, I had a mature site. Matter of fact, this is why we did it. We use this service for our own sites as well uh, to get studies. It's really affordable. It's a flat monthly fee. You don't need to work with a broker. They are available, but the way that brokers usually structure their arrangements is it's a lot less profitable for the sites if you end up going with a broker. So we kind of try to give you the best of both worlds, low cost, uh, obviously it's not guaranteed like a broker, you know, with a broker, you're going to be guaranteed to study with us. It's more like we're trying to get you studies every week and maybe we'll get you zero studies in a particular month and maybe we can get you like five studies in a particular month, but you're paying the same, you're paying the flat fee. Um, so if you're interested in this, just text me 949-415-6256. It's never been a better time to start applying for studies either. Uh, there's just a huge demand for sites across the board right now. Uh, anything else you want to add, Chris? No, there was a question on what the monthly fee is, so I answered that in the chat. Yeah, twelve twelve hundred ninety nine bucks a month. Um, slide seven. How much time should go towards business development? And my answer to that would be as much as you can, right? If your site is not well established, you obviously need to dedicate more time to business development. At least one full day of business business development is ideal. Your more established site, you should just do it like an hour a day, right? Or even an hour a week. Or you can just outsource to companies like ours but you should still be doing, you're still going to be following up with the leads we send you. So that's still business development. Mm-hmm. Um, you you always need to. The worst time to business development is when you need really need to study really badly. The best time to business development is when you don't necessarily need to study because you have other studies, but you're doing it, you're planting future seeds for you. Uh, it's like gardening. It's like having um, a farm, right? You get a plant the seeds, water, cultivate, eventually you're going to have something to show for it. And it's the same thing with biz dev, right? It might seem like nothing's happening, but really if you're just consistent, things are happening. You just can't see it necessarily right away. That's certainly true. 
You're not going to see the results of your hard labor until months later. That's right. That's right. Any more questions? Keep them coming. We go to slide eight. Okay, slide eight is how clinics can boost their business development. So we talked about the medical liaisons. We talked about the sales representatives. If you are in a private practice or if your PI is part of a medical group or a private practice, solo practice, whatever it may be, they probably have sales reps coming to their office. You need to reach out to those sales reps and you need to tell them that you also do research and you want to talk to their medical liaison. And that's their medical science liaison. It's usually a pharmacist. That's the bridge between sales and research and development at most of these drug companies. And that's who you want to reach out to. Uh, and that's all an easy place to reach out because these people are already coming to your office or they're at least coming to see your doctor. So that we've seen that uh, we, Chris, we just signed a new doctor, right? And he's at one of our sites and he's already has sales reps coming through. Yep. Within a day or two, it was almost, uh, he had sales reps coming through. Yeah, is he there every day now, or um, how often no, is he there? Once or twice a week, he's at the site, but he was even confused as to how the sales reps knew he was there already. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, how did they know he's there already? He had no clue. He couldn't explain it, so I have no idea. They're aware. They know. And yeah. they they really want the... Uh, they have a buzzing device in all the doctors. Yeah, they want their drugs prescribed, so we've got to start talking to them about meeting with their liaison, right? Yep, that's right. Uh, because it's a, that's the easiest way to go about biz dev. You know, it's, they're already there. They're already there to see your doctor. You might as well just initiate the conversation about research. Uh, slide nine is uh, what sites should expect when applying to studies. So Set your expectations low. Don't assume, and this is for job seekers too. We just interviewed uh, Martin from our CRA Academy who just got hired. Okay. Yep. Set your expectations reasonably, either when you're applying for studies or applying for jobs. It's a numbers game. Right now, the market is in your favor because there's a huge demand for researchers. There's a huge demand for patients and studies because there's a lot of studies. Right? So use the fact leverage the fact that the market is in your favor right now at this very moment in time all we have is the present so use this time to biz dev and set your expectations low and then be pleasantly surprised so uh hypothetically a site and these are under normal times right hypothetically a site that is actively looking for studies and applies to 100 studies typically the rule is you might get 10 responses to those 100 emails you send and maybe be awarded like between one to five. And by awarded, it means site selection visit because it's almost the same thing. If they come to you for a SSV, you're pretty much, it's your study to lose at that point. Now, that's under normal time. The numbers we're seeing right now, because the market is in our favor, meaning it's in the favor of the sites, and it's also in the favor of the job seekers. There's a huge demand for sites and for workers in the industry. Your number's probably going to be a little better than this. So for every 100, our last student that we just interviewed who got hired, he said for 100, 
he got like 70 responses. 70, he got like something like 30 or 40 responses back, so almost half responses. And then he got like 25% of that into uh, actual interviews. So it's a lot more favorable right now. And I don't know what the numbers like for sites right now applying for studies, Chris. Like what uh, if you had to uh, guess, you know, like well, for, for 2020 and beyond? I, honestly, I don't know. Um, but I would, I would agree. I think it's higher. But first, I want to have a clarification here to the second bullet point. So by apply, what, what does that mean to you? Is that feasibility questionnaire or just reaching out to a sponsor? Um, that is uh, reaching out to study leads. The, so from that 100, you probably get 10 feasibility questionnaires you complete, and then half of those may turn into a study? Right, yeah, that's what the, in normal times, what the numbers look like. Okay, well, see, I don't know if it's that high in normal times. I would think it's more like maybe one or two studies. I would say this one to five is now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so either way, your expectations, at least you have a range. And, right. You know, most people think, okay, they applied to like 10 studies. So they're going to get like eight of them. And that's just crazy. You may not get any if it's only 10. Right? So it's a numbers game. You have to apply constantly, have this. This is like walking and tackling in football. Like this is the stuff that nobody really wants to do, mm -hmm. but is extremely necessary to uh, win, to, have, to, you know, to be successful. Yep. So the final slide, and then we'll take questions. And, Keep your questions coming, guys. Yeah, we have two very long, long questions here. So let's finish this last slide and get into that. All right. Well, this you take this one away, Chris. This is the last slide. Um, and this is kind of what we were talking about on the previous slide. All right. Individual business development through clinicaltrials.gov. What do we expect when contacting 100 people through clinicaltrials.gov? Oh, yeah, we could have just went to this slide to discuss the last one. Right. 90, people, 90 people might ignore you. 10 people might respond. Two to three people will dismiss you. One to three people will say they will connect you, with you later. And one to three people may provide opportunities. Um, and I think by people, Carlos means it could be organizations. It could be people if you're seeking a job, I suppose. I mean, there are going to be people that respond. But um, if you're at site, these are going to be organizations, sponsors. Um, if you're more seeking a job through clinicaltrials.gov, and it certainly can work, that, that approach, um, then it's going to be on an individual level. Uh, results may seem minimal, but are better than other options in the industry. I don't know if that's entirely true, um, but it's certainly one of the more productive ways to go about um, business development. Um, and I would say these numbers are relatively accurate. 90 people ignore you, 10 people respond. Yeah. Although he's diminished the, the, the responses here from one to five to one to three. Right. Which I think in leaner times, more typical times, one to three, one to two, that's probably more appropriate. I, I do agree right now, I think it would be more like one to five out of 100. Upwards of five, maybe even more. 
Did you have anything to add or should we get into these questions? Uh, yeah, let's get into the questions. All right. So when registering PI profile on the drug dev website, it is necessary to fill out a list of trials in which the PI participated. The format of the drug dev site allows us to have only trials registered on a clinical trial.gov site. What would you advise to expand the PI's trial list if he, she also performed research studies that are not listed on the clinical trial.gov website? So the last time I was there, and this is from Irina, the last time I was there, it, it didn't have to be studies listed on clinicaltrials.gov. I'm unaware of that change. Usually just ask for the, the name of the indication. Um, and some numbers, how many people were enrolled, green field, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know how they're they're limiting it to only studies on clinicaltrials.gov. That's kind of interesting. Well, I mean, they would do that. Everything should be on clinicaltrials.gov. Um, I mean, you could literally find every study that's going so. I'm going to guess that this person is stating something like maybe an academic study, um, maybe an IIT academic of sort. That may sure. not be listed on clinicaltrials.gov. But even those ones should be, you know, for you the know, most you, part. You know not all studies are listed there. Right. So I don't know how they're limiting it to studies that are listed on clinicaltrials.gov. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think something's uh, a bit off there. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, maybe it's in an email, Irina, with a little further description. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Let me help you. Let's see. Then the next one. Discuss the balance between volume, getting more biz dev messages out there versus going slower in order to write very specific notes that show you know the study of the patients, et cetera. Discuss balance sure. between... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so basically they're saying should they just use the same like canned email uh, or should they get more specific? Obviously, if you can get more specific, it's better. It's t more time consuming as well. I would say, and what works well for our clients, is having a kind of a generic first reaching out. Uh, so this is what we do on behalf of our clients. And then on the follow-ups, okay, you can take more time and uh, research your database internally and then highlight some of the benefits of utilizing your site. Really what the sponsors care about is your patients. So maybe having some numbers of, and maybe a demographic breakdown if you can, because right now sponsors are also interested in, in diversity in research. So that, obviously if you can do that for every study you apply to, it's better. Uh, it's a little unrealistic if you're going for a numbers game. Uh, so I like to do more of a generic email first, and then when you follow up, okay, then you can go more for the uh, targeted approach. And and I would just add that follow-up email can be a canned response as well. Just one or two sentences that are going to be particular to their trials. Right. right. Patient numbers and therapeutic area, that's obviously specific to the trial. But everything else is just I would keep canned for everybody. Exactly. Same, same thing. All right. So, when looking at the study by clinicaltrials.gov, how to think which measures would indicate the interest 
preparing for new potential sites. For example, how old the study is when the study was last updated, how long until it says it's completed. Do you follow that? Uh, can you read the, some, some of the parts again? Okay, so when looking at the studies on clinicaltrials.gov, how does think which measures would indicate the interest preparing from new potential sites? So how do you gauge, I'm assuming, how do you gauge the interest from just what you're seeing on clinicaltrials.gov in, in finding sites? So I would first start off by this, clinicaltrials.gov is not meant to be looking for sites. So there is no way to gauge the interest. That'd be my opinion. Uh, I know Dan may differ, but they're not looking for sites through clinicaltrials.gov. Oh, um, right, yeah. I, so the sponsors, uh, they're always interested in more patients for their studies, okay? That doesn't mean they're necessarily interested in more sites, but clinicaltrials.gov is a proven way, if you do it enough, to get more study opportunities for your site. So clinicaltrials.gov is meant for patients. Uh, it's a public-facing, um, it's a patient-facing platform. So the idea is the patient could look for a trial in their area and join. It's not yep. meant for sites. So there is no, um, uh, there is no way, um, there is no direct way to gauge sponsors' uh, interest. Yep. However, you can look, you can read between the lines. So you can look at how many patients they are planning to enroll. You can look at how many sites they already have. And you can look at when they started versus when they estimate to complete. If we're getting close to the completion, right, but you, you're doing the math and you think, okay, well, I don't think that these sites got this number of sites we're able to enroll, maybe you're on the right track. Um, so oftentimes it's really uh, in the beginning of the trial for add-on sites maybe, or if it's getting close to the estimate completion date, uh, but they keep changing it. So they can change, you can actually, if, if you subscribe to this thing called ZymeWire, you can get notified of when a sponsor changes uh, their, their status from not yet recruiting to recruiting. Uh, or to obviously you'll get you'll get notified of when the enrollment's closed, but I don't think you should waste too much time with gauging interest. It, the more time you waste engaging interest, the less other emails you can send out. So I wouldn't spend time gauging uh, sponsors' interest. Put it this way: if they need patients, they're interested. If they don't need patients, they're not interested. And that's there's really no way to tell from clinicaltrials.gov. Yep, so again, uh, you can guess at what you see. Like for example, sometimes they'll say um, there's going to be 100 sites and sometimes they list the sites and say you only count 60 sites. Well, it looks like they're still looking for 40 more sites. Now, again, that can be misleading because sometimes they don't list all the sites. Um, but I mean, there's different ways you can guess at whether I'm in a study, but none of this is for sure accurate. Again, it's meant for patients, not for not for study sites. Um, many pharma use CROs. The source for which pharma uses which CRO? I have no idea. You know, Dan? Um, I only know that they're in the Transcelerate program. They do share vendors. Uh, I don't know of any place that shows which 
Pharma uses which CRO because they can use multiple. I know many sponsors that use different CROs for different projects. Yep. Yep. So there's no, it's not like they have a relationship, exclusive relationship most of the time. Right. Uh, some do, as you left room there for that. Some do, but you're right. Most most do not. Matter of fact, I've seen many a study where they change the CRO halfway through the study. Right. Right. So yeah. Um, next question: What is the best way to all this stuff? Like how to gauge their interest and how to like if there was a way to do that, and how to see which CROs are being used by which sponsor. If there actually was a database like that that was accessible to everybody, uh, it would make your business development a lot more difficult because then everybody would know exactly who to apply to. The way it is right now actually works in your interest if you're willing to put the effort. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is the best way to look for clinical trials that urgently need rescue new sites on the clinical trial site? This option is offered by the ZymeWire software, but it costs extra money. So there's really no way to gauge. This is kind of similar to what we said earlier. If you see that the comp estimated completion date keeps getting pushed back, that's a good indicator. So I think, I think you can get that alert on ZymeWire. So just looking at clinicaltrials.gov, aside from ZymeWire, there's no way to tell how many completion dates have been listed. You'd have to be following that study like on a daily basis, right? So when they change the completion date, you don't see the previous completion dates, do you? I've never seen that. Yeah, no, you don't. You'd have to track it somehow. So you can have an Excel sheet and just track it. Or maybe if it's a study you really are interested in, uh, you can track the estimated completion date. And that if that keeps getting pushed back, right, then that's a great indication that uh, they need more rescue sites. So, me personally, if I were going to go through that trouble, I think it would be just, it'd be quicker, easier, and more productive just instead of tracking this information, you're really interested in a study, just keep sending emails. Right. Emails, LinkedIn, uh, phone calls, try different people at the company. Uh, you know, it, with LinkedIn, I love LinkedIn because you can find, you can really build a network on there. Yep. All right. So last question. Aging interest might be a bad way to say just which ones would be fruitful to contact. But I guess you're saying go for volume. Go for volume because if everybody knew which ones were fruitful, then everybody would be going after those ones. So I will give you some, I think, some points of interest. Uh, there's certain ones you can find that you want to avoid. So if they're only recruiting 10 patients, obviously, that's probably not going to be productive, especially when you already have one site and it's a university. Um, if it's a university study, that's not something of interest to you typically. Um, the more you do this, the more you'll be able to gauge which ones are going to be more productive than others. You want a sponsored study. You don't want an academic study. You don't want a study that has few, if you know, really any patients involved. Um, you want studies that have lots of sites and lots of patients. Right. I don't know if there's anything else you want to offer in that vein, Dan. No, I think that's exactly right. 
think that's exactly right what you said. All right. So there doesn't appear to be any more questions. And if not, it was a pleasant, uh, pleasant webinar. Um, Get out there and biz dev, guys. It's never been a better time. There's two months left in the year. It's going to be extremely busy 2021. You already know that. And uh, get out there and do it. Make it happen. Absolutely. You're welcome, Irina. Uh, everybody that only attends uh, the webinars, well, we look forward to speaking to you again in a month. Oh, hey, we got another question. Oh, I thought we did. Question, but nothing's here. So, all right, Dan. Anything to add? Other than Go out and get it. Go out and get it, guys. Everybody have a great rest of the week and uh, start now. Do it now. All right, everybody, take care. Bye bye. Oh, we do have one more comment. Do a webinar for international. Everybody have a good a good week, month, day. We'll talk soon. Bye bye. So hey everybody, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you leave a review if you could be so kind, please. Uh, and also go to theclinicaltrialsguru.com if you're interested in learning more about who I am, who some of my guests are. Uh, you can have access to some of my YouTube videos. Uh, I do a lot of videos about clinical research. So go to theclinicaltrialsguru.com and you can also call or text me anytime, 949-415-6256. Also follow me on any social media platform. It's Dan Svera. And you can also email me if you'd like, dan at theclinicaltrialsguru.com. Thank you very much.